Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Hey, what's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here. I'm here on an interview with Dadi Hanuk, and he is an awesome guy. I've worked with him a few times. Um, it's an honor to have you here, Dadi. How you doing? Great, great, great to be here. Great to speak with you. I'm really excited. Outstanding. Yeah, so me and Dadi have worked together before um, in Israel. Uh, it was one of the, I, I've been to Israel, I've been to Israel over a dozen times. And this trip specifically was one, one of the trips where I learned more than I've learned really working with anyone over there. Just the way that, the way that you do security, man, it's, it's, it's like there's guys that do it, but then there's this feeling you get when you're working with somebody. And it was like, you just had that pro, you were just a pro, man. That's, Thanks, man. yeah. So, um, you know, I've been looking forward to having you on this show for a while, so I'm glad we we're finally able to catch up. Um, just a little background for those of you who aren't sure uh, about Dottie's background. Dottie, a homeland security expert with over 20 years of experience, ranging from dignitary protection to aviation and diplomatic security. So 20 years in the game. After a 22-year career in the Israeli Prime Minister's office, serving in a variety of security and management positions, Dottie took his experience to the private sector. He has started his career as a special agent in the Israeli Dignitary Protection Unit and moved on to operational and management positions. After serving as chief instructor of the Israeli Dignitary Protection Unit, he was posted overseas as the security manager of Israeli's diplomatic mission and aviation in Cairo, Egypt, and the security director of Israeli aviation in the United States West Coast. His last position in the prime minister's office was head of branch in charge of direction and regional regulation. regulation of security overseas facilities and diplomatic missions. Uh, born and raised in Israel, he served in the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, as a special forces sergeant in a counter-terrorist unit. So that's an awesome background, my it friend. It was too long, man. <laughs> it was long. And I read like a Marine Corps grunt, man. They all know that. The listeners have heard me butcher a lot of reading things. I'm working on it, you know. But, yeah, man, 22 years over there working on yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a... That's huge. So why'd you get into this game? You know, what do you think drew you into this line of work? I know you guys are kind well, of, you know, when you were young and I just uh, finished my duty in the army, 
you don't think too much about you know future you want to do something uh, awesome something you know that will continue your your service in the army you're looking for something interesting and uh, i got some kind of a of i, I reply to this uh, to this agency and um, things you know running fast and you find yourself next to the prime minister <laughs> and uh, since then you're you're there you know you get promoted and you're doing all kind of stuff and and after 22 years i felt like you know i felt like i want to do something else i want to look for yeah. something else so i shift to the private sector but mm-hmm. for 22 years it was it was awesome it was very dynamic very interesting very professional you know it's like the top top of the game and yeah. i enjoyed it i enjoyed it so much and you know we had some difficult time we had some uh, uh, very intense um, uh, period of time but it was on perspective it was a very very good um, uh, career for me uh, yeah it fulfilled you know all, all the things that I needed in, in in this time yeah that's awesome that's good to know that you hit all the different the things that you needed for I feel like men have like an internal like a, a, a checklist almost like, you know, you need to know that like for me, my father's extremely masculine, strong, successful businessman. He got shot at point blank range with a shotgun when he was, when, when I was a kid survived, just came back, you know? He, yeah. So he's a, he's a man's man, you know? So I'm thinking like, how am I going to be a man, you know, like to this man, you know? So <laughs> I think that's part of why I joined the Marine Corps. You know, um, I'll go fight a war and hopefully I'll earn some respect, <laughs> you know, but um, what would you, can you describe what kind of the feeling was? I, like one of the things I noticed when I was working with you is like me and you would have a great time just talking and sharing and everything. But when it was time to work, yo, daddy flipped a switch. He flipped a switch and it was all business. And I was like, boom, you know, um, what was the feel like working, you know, when you were working with the prime minister uh, and working that type of security? Well, I, I, I'll tell you something. The, the first uh, official event for me as a security agent was the um, uh, funeral of uh, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin that been assassinated. And it's, wow. it's kind of a big scar when you get inside an organization that you think he's one of the best. Mm-hmm. And your first, almost your first impression is that the top uh, dignitary uh, person that you are uh, supposed to protect be an assassin. And wow. uh, the next thing you you have to uh, protect all the VIPs, all the dignitaries that's coming to his funeral in Jerusalem. Wow. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, it was a hard time, but I saw it as a, as a kind of a mark for me mm-hmm. uh, that... It shows you what happened when you fail, mm-hmm. and you never, you never want to get there. You know, a lot of people don't want to fail, but when you see the uh, results of failure and how they are effective, you, your environment, your country, mm-hmm. you don't want to be there. So everything I did, you know, in my career, it's kind of a reflection of the feeling that mm-hmm. you don't want to be uh, in the same position again. You, I, I told myself, I will never be there again. Not on my shift and not on other shift. I will do everything uh, that I need to do on the best way. Yeah. Just to make sure that no one uh, 
will be, you know, will be assassinated, killed, or harmed in my under my uh, uh, responsibility. Yeah, that's huge, man. And that's a way that to start a career with that like event that I'm sure added so much gravity to what you yeah. do. It's you know, because I know a lot of guys. I mean, even for me, I've never been in a situation where, oh. <laughs> I've had to face the reality of failure, you know, yeah. um, that like it, that real, you know, you, you got, you know, so that's, that's wild, man. That's wild. Just to think about that. Um, and that probably feeds into a lot of the, the seriousness, you know, a lot of the like, Hey, it's time to work. It's time to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what would you say, have you noticed any differences between working the private sector and when you were working dignitary protection? Yeah, I think it's, there are a lot of fields that are the same, but I think the most, uh, the huge difference is that on dignitary protection unit, you're official, you have authority from, you know, from the government. Yeah. And when you work for the private sector, basically you are being employed by the VIP, by the dignitary himself. He's mm -hmm. paying you the money. So basically he thinks that he could ask you for everything because he's paying you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you find yourself in a position that you don't want to do something because it's not relative to security or even uh, not good for security. But still, the executive is uh, looking forward from you to do it because, hey, I'm paying you money, man. Right. And I think it's 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 matter of before you starting to uh, before even when you sign the contract, mm -hmm. you have to be very specific of what you're gonna do, and the way that you are gonna provide the security mm -hmm. means that mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be like um, I'm not, I'm working for you from one hand, but from the other hand, I will not do anything you want from me. I right. will deal with security, and that's it, basically. Mm -hmm. And if some if something is not considered to be matter of security, then we have a problem because if I will do it, it's not a matter. Of, no, it's not a matter of ego or it's not my job. It's a matter that if I will do it, security won't be, won't be good enough. For example, we're going out of uh, I don't know. We're going out of of, of store, mm -hmm. uh, shopping, whatever. You know, it's very common with with executive and yeah. uh, he or she looking from you to uh, carry at the bags. Yeah. Because, you know, she or he has too many bags. Mm -hmm. So a matter yeah. of, you know, just between people, two people, it's very polite and it's, yeah. you know, nice to do. It's a good but thing then, to do. But then my hands are dealing with the bags and I'm looking forward to get to the car and put the bags in the car. And then you have like few seconds that you're not dealing with security. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you are considered <laughs> the bad guy, this is the opportunity that you have. When you see the security yeah. with bags, this is the goal time, you know? Yeah, yeah. The time that I will attack, straightforward. So I think the executive needs to hear it from the security and matter as this is the thing that I'm going to deal with and these things is out of range. I'm not going to deal with it because yeah. it's a matter of, of harming the security. Yeah. So it's like as... I mean, when you're working the dignitary protection situation, you have more authority. And also it's kind of like they expect you to stay in your lane and do the things you're supposed to do probably. Yeah, and you have this, uh, you have this time that the, specialist. Uh, the dignity is, uh, dignitary is asking for you to do something that not concerning to security. It happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. But yeah. then when you answer is, excuse me, 
it's not my job. I have to deal only with security. He cannot fire you. He cannot, you know, he <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's You're things not like for me anymore because the government put you there. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a huge difference. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, man. And then as the civilian guy, you know, it sounds like the managing client expectations piece is huge because if you go into them, if you go into the relationship with your client with these expectations already discussed, managed, you look at the itinerary, you're like, these things I can do, you know, these things we might have to talk about a little bit. I think that's a really big piece for making sure that when you guys do get down the road, you know, there's not that whole, Hey, I hired you for security. Well, you know, this, this area right here, you know, this isn't something that, that we would naturally do. Right. Um, and that's a big piece, man. And it's way better to address that before you get downrange. Yeah. You know, yeah and, and I have to tell you that, uh, you know, some, some, you know, some people dealing with executive security, mm-hmm. they're kind of, um, don't want to get there to refuse, you know, a, a request from the, from the executive. But I, I think it's the wrong, uh, perspective because mm-hmm. the executive looking to hire someone that he's a professional. Yeah. Executive, you know, is he can see through because he knows that when you carry his bags, it's not good for security. It's more convenient for him, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if you tell him, if you will be very professional and very polite, mm-hmm. and you say, "Excuse me, sir, I won't do it because in this time I think I have to deal with security and I have to protect you, and this is what I'm here for." Mm-hmm. I think eventually he will appreciate it, although maybe he don't like it, but eventually he will appreciate that he hired someone that is a very professional. Yeah. I think I have, I mean, when it comes to saying no in general, I've learned that a lot of these VIPs and executives are around yes men all the time. So everyone is yes, 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 yes. Which there's a place for that and there's a way, but I've found that when you do refuse a client, make sure it's something that you have good reasons for and you're very respectful and professional. And in the long run, it seems like they respect you more because they can trust a level of honesty and professionalism mm-hmm. uh, will come out of you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's good stuff. If you can articulate it, <laughs> you know, then it's good, you know. Um, what would you say? Because we have a lot of, you know, we always, we're always going over there. Are there any, like, do's and don'ts that, go, that, that come into your mind when it comes to American or international security details coming to Israel? Like, what are kind of like red flags, do's and don'ts for guys coming in and out of the country or working in Israel? Well, Israel is a very uh, dynamic place. Yeah. Um, and there is a huge difference between places, and it just could be like a half an hour drive. For example, if you be in Tel Aviv or you be in Jerusalem, the atmosphere, the environment is totally different. Totally different. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just like half an hour drive. So you think to yourself, hey, how, how come Jerusalem feels suddenly uh, more, I don't know, more risky or more different in the way I, I look around and I look and I see people. Mm-hmm. So I think Israel is very dynamic and you have to be ready to change, you know, change atmosphere and change uh, the view um, very quickly. This is, yeah. you know, first thing. Second, mm-hmm. a lot of Israelis are, you know, an ex-military, ex-police, uh, carrying a weapon yeah. could be CWs or, or, you know, carrying rifles. And if you're the first time in Israel and you look around, you see, hey, what's going on? You know, I can see armed people around me. Mm-hmm. I can see people look around as they're like, they're 
all of them are part of the security team, you know? Yeah, everyone's a player on the board. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody's looking around. Everybody yeah. sometimes looks, you know, on kind of a suspicious behavior because they look at you because mm-hmm. they can see you're, you know, you're a foreigner. Yeah. And, and, and someone that is not used to it could get here and feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, Israel, besides, you know, the risk that you have here as, you know, as Middle East and, um, and terrorists, um, beside that, Israel is a very safe place because the environment people are very aware of their surrounding. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there is someone that is suspicious or, or acting or behave uh, suspiciously, the environment, the people will uh, locate him and identify him and it's kind of an easy way for you as a security to deal with, you know, because mm-hmm. it's you're not by yourself. Yeah. I work, you know, I work a lot of places in the world, and uh, most of the places I've been to, uh, people are very naive. Yes. People, you know, live their life. They don't think about nothing else. They don't think about security, about protection. And in Israel, it's the opposite. People here sitting in a coffee shop, you know, Every like every five or ten seconds, you you will split uh, eyes with someone. You know, it's like <laughs> everybody's looking around. You know, and it feels yeah. it feels feel awkward in, in the beginning. But I think for security, it's it's kind of a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that, man. I love it. I feel safe with it, man. You know, I was I I, I think I said this story before, but I was buying a knife in Israel. That like Ben Yehuda, there's like a little mini- military shop in Jerusalem, and I walked in there and I'm like looking at these knives and everyone was making fun of me in the whole store. <laughs> They're like, why don't you just get a gun? You know, and everyone's <laughs> carrying guns. And I was like, geez, I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight, man. And they, yeah, it was, it was funny, but I love that, man. It's, it's everyone's armed and everyone's ready and everyone knows how to deal with things. Um, and it helps also when yeah. it comes to um, environmental kind of environmental intelligence, if I can use that word, um, because, for me, I'm looking for canaries, like a canary in a coal mine. If something's wrong, the faster, the, 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 one of the quicker ways for me to identify whether something's wrong in a new environment is what the locals are doing. And when I have yeah. a local population who's more reactive and is paying closer, <clears throat> attention, um, I always feel like I can get a jump even that much more on whatever's going down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, I think it really helps me a lot. Uh, I love working in Israel. That's my favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> especially, you know, especially if something happening. Yeah. Most of the people here will react as a police officer or army because they're, you know, they have some kind of a training. So yeah. People will react, you know, in front of the active shooter or, or terror action, whatever. You see people running into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like other countries, you know, that it's very natural that if something happened, you want to run away. You want to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Israel, you know, some people will escape, but most of them you'll see like, you know, drawing pistol, taking their firearms and react, you know, react to the shooter, react to the, to the incident. Yeah. No, I, and, and I think it's a, it's kind of a warrior culture, you know, cause everyone's got that training and everyone's got that background, which I think is awesome. Um, something else I noticed comes with that too, is kind of the ego thing. Like you can get hemmed up. <laughs> if you aren't respectful, especially in the airport. I remember I, I've lost some security guys at the airport, you know, just catch up with us when you get to the hotel kind of thing. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, that's one place where you got to be respectful, 
play the game, play their game. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I know, I'm not sure that respectful is the right word, but you have to be very cooperative. Cooperative. I'm very cooperative. Some people get, you know, some people get to the, to the security and being, you know, cynical. Yeah. Try, you know, throw some uh, jokes to, you know, break the ice. Yeah. This, this is a big no-no, you know? It's like, yeah. no, man, no. If someone asks you a question and it sounds dumbass question for you, Answer questions. Don't 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 play around. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because you'll be leaving the airport seven hours later, like my buddy. <laughs> you know, we have kind of we have kind of a joke that uh, every time I talk with someone that you know is foreign came to Israel and he and he, uh, he described the uh, the whole thing of security. Yeah. And people are very intimidated from from the security. And I ask him, you know, I'm joking, but I ask him. Did you see him put the glove on? And he's like, what? I say, okay, you didn't get to the point of the glove. You're lucky. And people, you know, people after this experience, they're like almost positive that there is a, a stage of the glove that they put the glove on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of an intimate uh, security process. I know. I've, you know, I did it for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I work, you know, when, when I work in uh, LAX, I saw like people coming and they're like refusing to believe that you're, you're asking them uh, so, you know, private questions about their life, about mm -hmm. their spare time, about the, what they're going to do in Israel. And you, people are like, what? It's private. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is, you know, this is the process. And they're like, no. Check me, take my bag, take my everything, you know, scan it, x-ray, whatever you need, but don't ask me questions. Yeah. And I think the big difference is that, um, you know, Israel using a kind of a, kind of a profiling system that mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of countries it's forbidden to do. Uh, and, we, you know, we call it profiling, but it's not really profiling. You're looking for um, suspicious behavior or suspicious answers or all kind of gaps in the stories that will, will cause you to focus on the threat and not focus on everybody. Mm. One of the things, you know, that I saw in, in, in you know, TSA security process, they don't care if you're like 90 years old man or 10 years old little girl mm, yeah. or 35 years old badass looking with, you know, with a beard and everything, they will check everybody the same. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of, you know, discrimination and all kind of, you know, kind political of stuff. political stuff. And uh, in Israel, Israel is very, <laughs> uh, very not political yeah. <laughs> behavior. So we're doing what we need to do. This is it. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very easy. No, I like that, man. As far as, um, let's see, if there was one thing that you learned from your time doing the aviation stuff, if there was like one thing you learned from that type of security, what would it be? I think today, today aviation is going very fast to the uh, to the high tech, to the technologies, mm -hmm. looking for you know um, all kind of CDs and X rays and machines and and, and yeah. videos, analytics. But then still, the one that operate those all machines, there are people, mm -hmm. you know, human beings. And we have to remember that human beings have the, uh, the chance to mistake, to have the chance to do something wrong. 
So I think that uh, in aviation, especially in aviation, when you have all these kind of technologies, you have we have to remember remember to do stuff simply, you know, to, to, to keep it simple, to keep it very uh, basic, and uh, still looking for the threat and not looks for everybody to check everybody because you know aviation is going very fast fast forward. Yeah. If you look on the number of flights, number of passenger per year, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is. You know, it's it's increasing in the numbers that nobody nobody would expect. Mm-hmm. And still, to believe that in five or ten years we could still check everybody and X-rays all the luggage and everything, I think it's it's kind of a naive thing to to, to think. You know. Yeah. Uh, and you know, technologies are going very fast forward. And for example, today you can take a um, an airport. To secure the environment of the airport, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, it's, a lot of places want to feel very safe, but still, uh, it's very difficult to do it. The threats are so wide and, and a lot of, you know, you have so many threats around you, especially mm-hmm. in an airport environment. Um, and, and it's the numbers are increasing and the um, number of threats, the number of, you know. And today, if you ask any terror organization, serious one, what is main goal? They want to take off on a, an airplane. This is the best, That's you know. Like the, yeah, the this is like top, top ranked target. Wow. That's good to know. <laughs> That's good to know. I didn't know that, man. But yeah. it is like, it's just all the, all the movement and all the people and all the different things taking place in an airport. Thinking about securing that, man, is just, it's an ominous, ridiculous task, you know. Um Wow. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, for me, like I was talking with you earlier, learning about, you know, these last few years, more about site security and securing a facility. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's still private security, but it's a, it's just a different mindset, you know, um, trying to put that onto protecting an airport and the aircraft and all the different ways in and out. That's, it's huge. What would you say your biggest takeaway was from the, well, what would you say was your most impactful experience within the diplomatic security realm? Well, you know, definitely would be the time in Egypt. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I was there while the revolution started in 2011. Uh, and it, it was crazy because most of us living in, you know, in, a West, in the Western world never experienced revolution especially when it comes to, yeah. you know, in a Muslim country, yeah. uh, with a lot of people that they're not, un- they're uneducated, they're on the streets, uh, very violent. Uh, you cannot expect nothing, you know, for the next hour. You cannot expect, you cannot assess anything. It's just No happening. stability, you know? like no stability. Yeah, just crazy. And uh, no one, no one can help you with, you know, just to assess the, the threat. Um, and it, it's crazy, crazy thing happened to you like every hour or so. And it's kind of a very, very dynamic and very, very scary, uh, position because you feel like so vulnerable yeah. and, um, that you don't have nobody to, to help you one, you know, in matter of just to understand what is the next stage, what will happen tomorrow? What will happen next week? It's just mm-hmm. happening. You know, it's, it's kind of a crazy and um, in Egypt, I felt, I think for the first time, mm-hmm. that something bad will happen, like, definitely, you know? If, like, for sure. 
Yeah, so, you know, in all time of security. Yeah. I think this is the, the big difference between, you know, military and security because in military shit happens like all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You're going somewhere, you know that, you know, shit will happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Here we but go. But in security, in most cases, shit doesn't happen too much, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I mean, I, you know, me, after 22 years in the, in the service, mm -hmm. I never shot one bullet on real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never. Never had the chance and never needed to, you know? Right. Um, and and what, when you work with security, you, you have to work in a mindset that something will happen. Something will happen today. You, you're working on yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, in, in Egypt, in Egypt, I felt like I'm in the military again. Wow. I felt like it's, it's a switch. This is not security anymore. This is surviving, you know? We are on a mission. It's kind of like military... Um, um, uh, military thing, you know, operation, and uh, we have to be like very on a mind mindset as you know, combat unit in the military. Mm -hmm. It's not security anymore. Yeah. But, but from the other hand, we still were security. We didn't yeah. have the equipment of the military. We didn't have the you know the sources of military. Yeah. So we we were security agents, a diplomatic uh, security agents uh. in Egypt, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a revolution. Wow. And uh, without any without any resources of, of military, so it felt very very uncomfortable. Man, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yeah, it, it's intense, man. It just takes everything and switches it. You know, and it's good that you had that military background to be able to you know um, go back there. You know, to yeah. be able to go back there and be like, okay, it wasn't like a really culture shock necessarily thing as much as, as it would have been, you know, for like a civilian that's never been yeah, yeah. In, in a situation that's so, so dire. There's a big difference, I think, in people that have experienced those things, um, just in the way that they address it. So that's awesome. What would you say a story what would you say the hardest lesson that you've learned in executive protection, like a time where you maybe made a mistake and learned a lesson was uh, a lesson, you know, that our listeners could really benefit from, from understanding. I think that what I told you before, the, I, I, I don't remember like a big mistake that, that they, I did uh, that caused me, you know, trouble, whatever. But uh, my first impression, you know, from, from the, uh, Assassin of Prime Minister Rabin. Yeah. This is a kind of a, you know, it's got, it's, it's, it's a scar on your chest. Yeah. On your heart. On your heart, on your chest, on your soul, that going with you on a daily basis, it doesn't matter which kind of security you, you're providing, you know, mm -hmm. even when I'm like on a private sector and I'm looking upon my, you know, my, my product D, I see him as a prime minister. I see him as, as, awesome. as you know, prime minister Rabin. And I said, I, and I'm every time I'm telling to myself, I will do the best I can. I will do the most professionalism security that I can provide, just to make sure that I don't have to live the rest of my life with the feeling of failure. Yeah. And this is this is something that you know someone that hasn't feel this feeling before, uh, and he don't know what to expect. He cannot uh, be too, um, you know, um, uh, afraid that it will ha it will happen to him. Right. You know, people say. That, you know, I hear people. People say, "Hey, shit happens. Hey, people doing mistakes. Hey, in this field, 
you need only one mistake and it's over. And it's over. And when, and when I'm saying it's over, it's not over, you know, you know, your career, your, uh, your life, your or... salary. It's not. It's something that will go f- with you for life. You yeah. are the responsible for someone being dead. You didn't kill him, mm-hmm. but you had a mission. Yeah. You had to prevent it from happening. And if you didn't do it, it's on your responsibility. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I see a lot of people that, um, you know, taking this job not as serious as they need. Yeah. Especially in the private store, they see it as a business, you know, as a matter of, you know, I will mm-hmm. be there. I know how to shoot guns. I know how to fight a little bit. I will be a security officer. You know, it's good money. But then you have to look at the risks. You have to, you know, unless you, you're securing someone that there is zero risk, there's nothing there. It's just, an, I don't know, a rich guy want to feel secure. Mm-hmm. But then still, you have the responsibility for a life of a person. And I think it's yeah. like an heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that you have to consider when you get to this uh, job. 100%. Yeah, no, the reality, I think it's kind of, for me, <clears throat> I find a lot of motivation in thinking about death. So I live my life constantly like, cause I got blown up in Iraq and I thought I was dead for like a couple minutes. I was under there like, Oh my gosh, this is it. It's over. God, I'm sorry, mom, dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I spent all this time, you know, father, Oh my gosh, you know, and that moment caused me to realize what kind of regret I'll feel when I do die. And I don't, if I don't live with a sense of purpose as hard as I can. And mm-hmm that gives me a whole lot of motivation on a daily basis. And I think this is kind of the same thing. And I think guys that have been in combat and have seen things can probably simulate it pretty well. Yeah. But thinking about something like that happening on your watch constantly realizing that that's a realistic outcome that you need to protect against before going out on your day yeah. um, is a very good practice to make sure the gravity is there to stop you from getting complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, you can see it in other other fields as well. For example, mm-hmm. you know, driving. Yeah, a lot of people are driving not in a safe way. They're yeah. texting. They're using their phone. They're not they're driving too fast. Uh, sometimes you know, sometimes under under influence of alcohol. Yeah, and if you take someone that has a serious accident, but he uh, he's okay, but he killed someone. Yeah. He will drive completely <laughs> different different for the rest of his life. Yeah. And if you ask him if you could, you know, turn time back, would you? And he say definitely. Because yeah. it's something that it sit on your heart, sit on your chest, mm-hmm. and you don't want to. But uh it's the same, you know, it's the same with everything we do. You know, human being yeah. had the uh, I don't know, had the um, kind of a way to reduce responsibilities to reduce the level of of how how am i responsible for someone it could be in a factory it could be you know driving could be everywhere business but you know i used to say to people in in each of every work be responsible be the best that you can do everything as the best that you can even if you work i don't know if you work in mcdonald's be the best if you're a driver be the best (laughs) If you're in security, be the best. If you're yeah. in the military, be the best. It doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's a way of you know, how do you how do you what do you expect from yourself? Yeah. 
And I think, yeah, man, that's, it's that personal pride piece and it's been missed. It's been lost. You know, it's, um, I, I talk about how, you know, branding, you are your own brand, you are your brand. And so like for me, when I'm looking for guys to put on a detail or guys to work with, I'm looking for the guy who's going to do the best job because his last name's attached to it, you know, because this is who I am and this is what I do. You know, I'm taking the garbage right. out. I'm going to take the garbage out. It's going to be the best garbage because I did it. That's why. And that's the only reason you should need, you know what I mean? Definitely. So, um, nah, that's good stuff, man. <laughs> um, so what would you say if you had a proudest moment in the industry, in, in executive protection, what would that have been? <clears throat> I think my proudest moment is, um, it's from diplomatic security as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, my first time that I really felt and I really thought that I uh, uh, saved uh, life was in Egypt. Mm. Uh, um, I had a chance to, uh, we, you know, I thought that the embassy is uh, very, very, very high risk and the threat is just rising. Yeah. And I asked to upgrade security on the, in the embassy and, uh, you know, my, my manager said, this is like the best fa- facility that we have. We, you don't have to do nothing there, you know, because it's, it's already good, good enough. Mm, yeah. And I felt, I felt it's not good enough at all. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did what I know. So I improvised, I improvised and I brought um, um, this, the, the, the embassy, like uh, supervisor, you know, the, the handyman for the embassy and I asked him to, uh, to weld. Mm. A lot of, you know, bars and iron and, and doors and whatever. And, and I'm, you know, I make the embassy look so ugly. Yeah, but more secure. Still, yeah, but still after two months, when thousands of people try to <laughs> breach in, those bars, those doors held them for another half hour and a half. And this in this hour and a half, um, you know, prime ministers, diplomats did their job in trying to, you know, um, influence the Egyptian to do something, you know, to yeah. clear the area. Wow. And without these things, without those bars, those, um, those um, um, protesters would breach into the embassy and then, you know, the Israeli security will fire at them and then the whole event will, you know, shift <laughs> to this kind of a Middle East blown up, you know? So, yeah, yeah it was the first time that I really felt that something that I did, something that I thought and I did and, and you know, provide, uh, save life. Because, you know, in security, um, not like other productive area, yeah. when you finish your shift, unless you had like an, an event or, or, you know, incident that you shot someone or saved someone, you don't feel like you did something good. Yeah. It's You're back day. home. The executive is back home. Everybody is happy, uh, you know, another day in the office. Yeah. And um, I think after a lot of years, this was the first time that I felt like, yes, I did something and I'm responsible for it. And if I didn't do it, people would be dead inside. Yeah. So it's kind of a, this is like the best feel I, I ever had in 22 years of, you know, protection. And, and again, not like in military. In military, every time you go in for an operation, yeah. it's either, either succeed or yeah. fail. Yeah. That's it. Okay? That is, There's no in between. It's binary. 
Yeah. So I think it's very easy in the military to know if you're like a successful or you're on, on if you if you fail, maybe you don't know it because you, you'll be dead already, but yeah, <laughs> you don't want to be failed, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, man, because you're right. Like with security every day is like just this like kind of just flow. Everything's okay, which is so dangerous because that's how we get complacent, you know? Yeah. Um, but you don't, I mean, it, I think there's something to be said too for being like, Hey, got the client back home. They're secure. Good job. You know? Um, cause I think every day before I go to work, Hey, this can be your last day at work. Take it seriously. You know, the day you don't take it seriously is the day you make a mistake and you could die or get fired, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, even the best, if you take the best profile of security, um, officer of security agent, yeah, even this guy would be not 100% alert during his day, especially after, you know, a few months, few years in this job. Right. You cannot provide... 100 percent uh awareness you cannot yeah it's... sometimes you know you you're 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 thinking about i don't know your wife your bank account your next job your problems in life or your next trip i don't know to hawaii whatever yeah and this is the time that you're not 100 percent focused on your mission and it happens to everybody yeah I never met some. Never met someone that say, "Hey, no, I'm 100 focused on my mission." No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like. And I think the best, you know, the best thing is to be aware that it's happening and mm -hmm. then to stop it. Yeah. Like, like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm sailing with my mind right now, and it's not good. Stop it. Go back to. And for me, what, what was, uh, what works for me mm -hmm. was. Immediately when I felt like I'm traveling with my mind and I'm not focused on the mission, mm -hmm. I just thought of, of an attack. I said, yeah, like, say, what, what would happen right it's now? It's going to be an attack like in five seconds. What am I going to do? And it shifts me directly to security again. And I think this is the, every, each and every one has had to uh, find the way for him to stay focused. Right? Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a very difficult job because... A lot of time, nothing happened. Oh, yeah. For lots and, of time. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all the time when I was like an instructor, I, I tried to, to describe this work to the, you know, new people that came, rookies that, uh, goalkeeper in, uh, in soccer. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so yeah, like goal, a goalie, goalkeeper, yeah. you're, you're all, the whole team is, you know, attacking and you back there in your goal, do nothing. Mm -hmm. And you're drinking water, and you're exercising a little bit, and you <laughs> And then, in the split of a second, there is a counterattack, and, and they score. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to move from zero to 100 <clears throat> in a split of a second. Yeah. And this security, you can, you know, you can be there for the whole day, and then, like, 10 minutes before the shift ending, 10 minutes before you get to the VIP's house. <laughs> yep, right before you get home. Yeah. Boom, and then you have to pro provide 100% of your knowledge, your expertise, everything. And mm -hmm. if you're not ready, it will catch you, you know, not in the best way that it want. you want it to catch you. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's really, it's, it's a conversation about complacency and trying to fight off that demon, you know. Um, yeah. You showed up at that facility in Egypt, and it sounds like, you know, the man, they thought that they were safe. You know, and 
um, you know, that can be looked at as a complacent kind of attitude, you know, like, Hey, this is awesome. We're good. I personally get very uncomfortable when someone tells me we're good. You know, I'm like, yeah. Hey, well, you know, we could always be better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's, it's really like, you know, you get to a detail, you get to a place, you're a new set of eyes, you know, if you can make improvements, make improvements, you know, um, trust your instincts, you know, and, 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 and fight the complacency, you know, it's, it's, it's especially now that we have these cell phones all the time. Oh, (laughs) you know, even I have to fight the cell phone thing sometimes because I mean, a lot of some of the things we do have to do with cell phones, but you know, like that complacent attitude is, Hey, and, and also the psychological drilling. I do that. I talk about that a lot, especially like when I was in Iraq, I talked about it a lot because my guys, my squad dudes would be like, Hey, you know, what, what's combat going to be like? And I would tell them, Hey, uh, it's going to be a lot of things, but the best thing you can do to prepare for it is right now. Start thinking through scenarios. When we're out there, start thinking through scenarios. If we get hit right now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when we get hit? Not if, when we get hit. Yeah, so then, you know, and then, and sure enough, we got done with one of my guys first situations and he was like, Hey, you know, corporal, I, 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 I did exactly what I thought I was going to do. And there's a lot to be said for the psychological drilling and writing, like kind of programming in your mind and sparring mm-hmm. with yourself psychologically. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in this field of security, a lot of people that came from, you know, law enforcement, military that had, a lot of intense uh, events in their like career, yeah. and then then they move into security. They feel like security is kind of you know boring. Yeah. I can relax here. This is not not Iraq, not Afghanistan. Nothing happened, you know. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a wrong um, wrong way to think about it. Yeah. And I think that one of the problems in this field that people really don't believe that something will happen. Right. Uh, not like, you know, in military, as you said, that when it happened, not if it happened. In security, a lot of people think if it happened. And yeah. they don't have like a really good threat assessment. Mm-hmm. They think about the thing that, okay, what I'm going to do today, the VIP will be in his office, and then he's going for a meeting, and then he's going to the gym. And, okay, it's a very routine day, very regular day. What could happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And you have to be very aware of, of the risk. And I think that each and every uh, executive got his own risk, you know, its own own threat. It's yeah. not the same. When you move from one to each other, you have to think, okay, what I'm dealing with? I'm dealing with, you know, robbers. I'm dealing with someone that won't kidnap him or I'm dealing with someone who want to kill him. What I'm dealing with, you know? Yeah. How, 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 how is the threat will occur? You know, it's going to yeah. be a someone that's going to stab him with a knife or someone that's going to threat with a pistol from short distance, mm-hmm. what I'm dealing and, and because, you know, because you cannot provide, especially when you work by yourself, you cannot provide an, a 100% umbrella of security for right. all, all the threats. So we have to, you have to focus on the threat that they're really, um, the real, real one, you know, after yeah. you assess them, after you thought about them, after you uh, consider which kind of solution do you, ha- do you have yeah. for the threat. 
you know, I saw someone, um, not in private security, it was governmental security. Uh, he used an umbrella when he got outside of the building with his uh, executive. Okay. And I asked him, uh, it, it, it wasn't raining, and I, you know, I knew what the umbrella is using for, but I asked him, hey, why do you use an umbrella? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a sniper. I don't want a sniper uh, to see the, VIP, the executive. Mm. And he was by himself. And I told him, you know what? It's kind of a smart move when you are part of a team and you're covering only the threat of a sniper. Mm. But if you're thinking about the threat that you have around you, sniper will be almost the last one to deal with or I can deal with. And when you're using an umbrella, you're not dealing with the close range uh, uh, risks that you have. Right. And it's not you know, smart to do unless you have any kind of intelligence or risk assessment that there is a sniper that want to, you know, want to shoot your uh, executive right. and then you have to find a solution. Yeah. So it, it means that sometimes people do not the exactly uh, best security measures um, to confront or to uh, uh, give a solution to the threats. Yeah. Because so, we only have but so much bandwidth. We only have so much psychological energy, really. And I, you know, I've seen guys plan for grasshoppers with machine guns. I've seen guys, I've seen things go crazy, like you were saying, like, you know, and I think there's a lot to be said when you get a client and when you're looking to move with a client to understand what is the threat profile, what types of people are coming against them and what's happened in the past. And, you know, when you understand your ideal enemy or whoever might be looking at your client, you can then start to really look at when you might come across this person, you know, what spikes in our day, this is our day. Hey, when he goes to the charity, that's probably when we'll see, you know, the people that, you know, don't like his charity work and things like this. And it, I think what you're talking about is kind of like a, it's not like a shortcut, but it's a way to make your um, psychological energy more potent when it needs to be, you know, um, right. and, and focus on the times and places when you might take contact. Otherwise you're going to exhaust yourself and you'll be going in and out of paying attention way more often. I think, you know, right. Um, yeah, man, no, that's good stuff. Um, with regards to now we're getting kind of into the executive protection mindset. Um, what would you say is the ideal, how should someone be thinking when they're moving with a client and doing executive protection in general? What kind of things do you think kind of mindset piece, you know, I think I think the first thing that you have to do mm -hmm. is to put um, uh, I call it the prevention disc on your on your system. Okay, you have to deal with prevention. You have to deal to prevent an attack from happening. And when you work by yourself, you always be the second to react. Yeah, someone will someone will do something, and then you will react. And if you are very good. Mm -hmm. It will take few seconds until you 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 re will react, and in mm -hmm. few seconds, everything could happen. Everything yeah. you could be dead, your executive could be dead. Everything yeah. could happen. And you know, I saw people that say that hey, uh, when I'm you know when I'm training in the range, I can uh, shoot the target in one second. In the middle of the target, I draw my pistol, shoot one second. There's a bullet in the middle of the target, and mm -hmm. say you know it's great, but in the range you are deciding where to pull your 
gun, you are deciding what is the target. Nobody is surprising you, and you are very, very alert because you know that in in few seconds you will shoot. Okay, but if you yeah. if I will catch you in the end of your shift and with your suit in I don't know in Manhattan yeah. or in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills, people in the room, <laughs> it will take you at least. It will take you at least four or five seconds. Yeah, and four or five seconds. It's it's it. You know, it's it's, it's the end of the story. It's over. So I'm I'm telling a lot of people. You know. You have to be very good in combatives. You are very good with your weapon and everything. But this is this is the last. If you, we said, you know, in Israel we have a sentence that if you had to pull your weapon or if you had to use your weapon, you already failed. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's a failure. Even even if you if you even if you neutral the target, neutral the threat, you yeah. failed already. If someone had the chance to pull a knife or pull a, a gun in front of your executive, it's kind of a duel, you know. Yeah. Like in the West. Yeah. Like in the West. You know, it's <laughs> no, you, you don't want to get there. You don't want to get there. Yeah. And, um, and, and when I had to train, you know, train young people or train um, uh, people from security field, I always tell them, do everything you can do in the field of prevention. Mm-hmm. Provide a lot of cover to the prevention uh, field. You know, you, you want the attacker to feel like this is not a good day for me to react. I yeah. will come tomorrow. I will look for another target. Uh, this guy looks very personal. I don't want to deal with him. This guy looks very alert. You know, um, mm-hmm. every attacker looking for 100% successful attack, right? Oh, yeah. 100, so if he, feels, if he feels like he have only 40% or 30%, maybe, maybe he will choose another target or he choose to come in another day. Mm-hmm. And this is your this is this is a successful mission for the security, you know. Yeah. I did my job. I didn't have to draw my pistol. I didn't have to shoot. I didn't have to fight. And still, I did my job, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and unfortunately, a lot of people put a lot of efforts in combatives. If I'm taking like the scale of how much of your time of training time, mm-hmm. you what is the you know the the cake? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The pie chart. You know? Yeah, and and the pie looks like fifty percent shooting and thirty percent, uh, combatives or krav maga or whatever, and yeah. then maybe ten twenty percent, you know, just to exercise or you know, my shape or whatever. Yeah, I'm saying, hey, hey, you you completely missed the whole thing. Wow, you need at least you need at least fifty percent of your time to think and to um, plan upgrade the way that you provide security and you know how to prevent and you know how to make deterrence and you know how to break the routine of the, of your, of your um, uh, executive and you know how to provide deception because otherwise <coughs> you look like everybody else and you are targeted by yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of security, I just don't understand that they are the first target. If I'm an attacker, yeah. I want to kill security first. Yeah. I, I won't go. I won't go for the executive. I will mm-hmm. kill the security first, okay? And they and then it's an easy, easy job, you know. After yeah. killing, or after neutralize the the security, that's easy job, okay? I will tase you from behind, and that's it. Close mm-hmm. deal, you know. Yeah. I will take your executive, you know, very nicely, and that's it. Close deal. You will, you know, you will wake up, and then hey, where is everybody? 
It's over. If you, have, if you had the chance to wake up. Yeah. So I think in a matter, in a matter of the field of, of security, especially when it's not a team. A team is something, you know, when you work as a team, it's something else because then you can, you know, give res- different responsibilities to different people. But when yeah. you work by yourself, or even when you're like uh, two people, uh, you have to think like most of your percentage of security has to go um, to prevention. Yeah. So the prevention is, I mean, 100%. I, I just, I don't think a lot of guys really think about it that way. No. You know, I think they, they kind of, they, they kind of like, Hey, I'm a tough guy. I've been in the military. I'm going to get in. I can, I can do these things. This is the different, different this is the different, difference between bodyguard. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, as a specialist of security uh, or executive protection, a right. bodyguard will be someone big, intimidate, strong, um, that, you know, causing a lot of uh, deterrence. Yeah. But then he don't know nothing about security, nothing at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And from my point of view, if you, if you told me right now, you can choose between two people. One yeah. is like, I don't know, six foot uh, five, right. giant beast, uh, black belt in, I don't know, karate, judo, whatever. Everyone's scared shoot, of him. Yeah, he can shoot like... Uh, I don't know, 20 bullets <laughs> inside one of it, uh, the other. <laughs> in a uh, and then you have from the other side, the other side, I don't know, like uh, a wimpy looking guy uh, that he's very smart. Uh, he's very deceptive, uh, deceptive mm-hmm. and he knows Strategic. how to provide security. He don't mm-hmm. know combatives, he know how to shoot, he know nothing, but he knows how to, to do the prevention. Mm-hmm. I would choose him, definitely. Yeah. He will provide a better security than the, you know, the bodyguard. The one man. But then, but then, if you if you had to tell me that you, I have a team, mm. I will put the closing agent as a bodyguard. You know, the big yeah. guy, the strong guy, the combative guy. But then, the leader of the team, the team leader, would be the other guy that knows security. Yeah. Know, you know, to implement a good security. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, put a lot of effort, you know, in the gym, in the range, everything. But still, your main goal is not to fight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's never. To, if, yeah. If you got to the point that you need to fight, you already failed. Right. That's it. Yeah. Although, although you have to keep reserve for the chance to fight, you know, sometimes everything collapses and this is the last resort, you know, right. either you yeah. fight or either you're dead. But, but you, have, you know, it's, again, we're going back to the military. Mm-hmm. Military, you work a lot of, you know, combatives, fighting, shooting, whatever. But then you have like a very stronghold of tactics of a mm-hmm. unit. You yes. know, how, how should I move? How should, where should I be? How should, should I, you know, stay safe? And this is tactics. And without the tactics... Each and every military unit is not, you know, worth nothing without the tactics. Right. Was there anything that you'd say your time in the special forces military uh, that that carried over into executive protection that made you better at it overall? I think the best thing is the, the confidence that I got from this time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that I'm almost almost positive that if some if shit happens. I will know how to get get through, get out, yeah. uh, and you know it's kind of a, the mentally um, uh, strength Toughness. that I have. Um, I think this is the best thing that I can took from this time in the in, in the army, in the military. 
That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree, like all the damage and things that happened to me in Iraq and in the Marine Corps and them just making me miserable. It, it gives me, it gives you like a backdrop for, right. I, and to all the veterans, like even for life, even, you know, like all oh, the bills and everything. So terrible, bro. It's not Definitely. raining. You're not wet and cold. You get to power. <laughs> you get to eat. You got to try not to be fat now. Yeah, I mean, like life's yeah. good, bro. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good. You know, I, I have this discussion with my wife because, you know, my, my older son is like 13 and in five years he's supposed to go to the army. And I'm, yeah. And she's at the time, beware not to uh, educate him to be like in a combat unit or whatever. I want him to be safe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I told her that in my heart, I'm very, very uh, afraid from a situation that, you know, it, it will be under a risk or whatever. But mm. still, the thing that, that you gain for life from yeah. being in a combat unit, it's unbelievable, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of a, a gift for life. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I would, I 100% agree. There's really, if you, if you can learn from it and keep it focused and draw a good meaning from it, it's kind of like whatever life throws at me now, it's, it just isn't going to be on this level, you know? Right. If right. You, if, yeah. Even when you see like um, a professional athletes, you know, yeah. it could be like football or even martial arts, you know, yeah. you say, hey, those guys are really tough. Those guys, you know, training very hard. They're very uh, mentally, they're strong, you know, mentally strong. Still, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it's just not. No, I agree 100%. Um, and the things, kind of back what you were talking about a minute ago with, I guess the way that I, I kind of understand a lot of it is the difference between strength and power. You know, I, I had this experience when I was in Paris and uh, we were getting lunch and it was like, 20 bucks for a Coca-Cola or something. Like it was insane expensive it was. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like having lunch with my guys and I'm upset, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to be cool. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be nice. And inside I'm like $20 for a Coca-Cola. You guys really want this? I'm like, what is this Coke going to do for me for $20? You know? And uh, I remember thinking, I look at the table and I'm with a bunch of special forces guys and, you know, strong, strong guys and all these like just legit dudes, you know, and I'm thinking like, what am I missing? You know, we have strength, you know, and our like things, our feats that we've done have gotten us into like 1% of the security industry. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at my life and I'm looking at everything and I'm like, hey, young man, your physical abilities have taken you to this realm. This is as high as you can go, really, in this game. And you're up here, and you're sweating a $20 Coca-Cola. There's a lesson in here somewhere, <laughs> you know. And I look at these guys, Navy SEALs and all these dudes, and me, I'm like the most least dangerous guy at the table, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, but who has power? You know, who has actual power? And I started to realize, you know, my, like, little – flamboyant little client that's in the room sleep right now, he actually has power. And he has power because if one of us goes down, he can, he can replace us in 24 hours. He yeah. controls and, and, and is influent, he influences this whole dynamic. So, you know, strength is in my body, 
But then I started to realize power comes from my mind. Yeah. And then I started to teach. I, I really committed that day to, hey, you know what? I'm going to start to work my mind as hard, if not harder than I've been working my body so I can learn how to gain power in my life. Um, and that I think is really kind of the difference. I think the bodyguard, you know, and if you're a bodyguard out there, reach out to me. I'd love to interview. If you really, really, that's your game, we can talk about it. But I think the, the conventional bodyguard cliche piece is it's a strong man. A strong man is very good in a lot of ways, but his power is localized only to his physical body. Whereas yeah. the intelligent one, someone who's, you know, a trained executive protection agent, he's over here controlling the whole entire dynamic from, you know, before the client even reaches the country, he's been planning and putting pieces on the chessboard so that things go his way. You know, there's much right. more influence there. Right. You know, this is why, you know, the, uh, the movie uh, Bodyguard with uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They call it, they call the movie Bodyguard, but he actually provided a very good security. He is, yeah. he, he didn't look like a bodyguard, you know, it's Kevin mm -hmm. Costner. Yeah, 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 still, yeah. You know, he could look like a dentist almost. <laughs> exactly. Still, you know, he, he thought, he thought uh, as a security specialist, you know, yeah. and he did all the right things, you know, the threat assessment and to provide the security measures and he did the whole package. Mm -hmm. I got to watch that movie again. It's been too long. It's been no, it's too been long. Yeah, no, it's got to happen. Maybe me and the wife will watch it tonight. Just out of sheer principle. You guys will see it on Instagram. But yeah, man, no, that's the big difference I've noticed. And because when you put a good security plan down and you're moving your client and you guys are taking back routes and you're using deception and all these different things happen, the threat doesn't even have a chance to get to a position if everything goes as planned where you have to use your physical power. Right. Different control mechanisms that really yeah. mitigate that stuff before it becomes right. a factor. Um, and if if I could like uh, give uh, the best uh, advice for people who want to um, upgrade their uh, prevention's point of view or scales is to try to educate your client because if you want to deal with prevention and your client is not educated to do it, you you will have a very difficult time. Because if you want to change a routine, if you want to change the end, the exit, if you want to do all kind of stuff that the, your client or your your you know executive say, hey, what's going on? You yeah. make me you make me crazy. Yeah. And, and the purpose is not to make him crazy; is to make the attacker crazy. Someone yeah. that wants to attack you to feels like, what the heck? What's going on here? Those guys are everywhere. They yeah. came from one door. They came out for another door. And they're moving in separate cars. And yesterday they had the black car, and today is the white car. What's going on? Yeah. And I think if the if the executive is educated, you taught him and you you briefed him what you're gonna do and why, mm -hmm. and you have cooperation with him. I think this is the the very important stage to start dealing with prevention. Mm -hmm. And then you have to think in in the eyes of the attacker. Otherwise, your whole prevention will, will be, you will miss it. You have to think as you are the attacker, you want to attack. What will work for you as an attacker? What will deceive you as an attacker? If you don't, if you don't think as an attacker, if you don't think, if you will still think as a security, it's shallow, you know, it's, it's, it's not good enough.
absolutely. That 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 shallow is a perfect word for it, man. Because um, I think, like, even for me, it goes back to the mindset piece you were talking about. I'm standing there, clients in their green room, they're secure. Where are the vulnerabilities? If I was going to if I was going to hit my client, where how would I do it? Where in my movement am I going to do it? You know, uh, blind corners, blind turns, coming from the green room, walking outside, like the video we saw the other day that I posted on Instagram. You know, right? Um, I think that's like a continual flow you have to be in as you're going through your itinerary. Boom, boom, boom. Also thinking like, where are we vulnerable? How are we vulnerable during the whole dance? Um, I think that's and it's exhausting. Moment. Yes, it is. Yes. It's exhausting. You know, I remember yes, the is. days that I work, you know, on operational side and I, I used to come back home, you know, like, I don't know, 10, 11 PM. And I told my wife, I did nothing today physically, but I'm exhausted. Yeah. And you, you are exhausted only from, you know, the game. The game, the wheels running all over, all over. Right. And if yeah. you're not doing it, and if you're with your cell phone all day long, and if you're you know, in the car, you like sit, you're driving, and then you're sitting, it's a good time to rest right now. I have a one-hour drive. I will, I will rest a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not, you're not doing your mission. You know, yeah. it's it's interesting that we, especially with security, we have to live in a, it's like an imaginary world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, almost all the time looking at contingencies and what could happen, you know, it's, it's a whole nother world. And no matter whether something happens or not, we always have to honor that imaginary world because it's our only like way to make the reality of having to really do our job, um, relevant on a day-to-day basis. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Um, we were talking a little bit about tactics as far as transitional spaces, and things like this. Um, I don't know. What do you think an agent can do to secure? Let's talk about securing the client versus securing an environment. Maybe differences, techniques. I think it's very it's very uh, important to understand in which areas uh, your uh, VIPs is working. For example, if he works a lot of time in the office, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that the office is safe because you won't stand next to him in the office and you know protect him. So yeah. you have to make sure that uh, you're controlling the entrance to the office and you have to make sure that each and every one that step in is uh, being identified and you know who are, who are this person that's going inside the office. So you have to control the office. But when he's walking outside on the streets, for example, it's very difficult to protect the, the environment. And then again, he's going into, I don't know, for a coffee shop or a restaurant for a meeting or whatever, then you're trying to build like immediately uh, circles or layers of security. You know, the first player will be you next to his table and then another circle. If you move like a little bit far from the, your, um, your VIP to controlling the area and then may- maybe you have another one, another security agent to put in the main entrance who is, who is coming in. And then if you choose the right table, you lower the risk. So it's a table that is far away from the entrance mm-hmm. or not next to uh, uh, the route to the restrooms. Mm-hmm. So nobody is supposed to get near you. And then maybe you will ask the, um, uh, the manager of the restaurant that only one waiter will serve you. 
So or, already you have only one person that ca can approach your VIPs. Anyone that approaching your VIP, you have to think, hey, this guy could be a, an attack. Could be, yeah, you know? Not, yeah. Yeah. So it's you like you, redru you re reduce the number of people that could approach your VIPs. You put him not in the main entrance or in the middle of the restaurant or not next to the restroom. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a very um, con convenient environment that you can work. You can be focused on the threat. Otherwise, if you sit in the middle of the restaurants or next to the restrooms, there's traffic. Yeah, the traffic, very dynamic. And after 10, 15 minutes, everything that happened next to you looks good. Looks, you know, yeah. okay. Uh, and this is the time that someone will attack you. Mm -hmm. If you take like, um, like if you're trying to draw a graph of, of awareness uh -huh. of security that moves from one area to another, as soon as you get to the new area, your awareness is very high. Yeah. Take a few minutes and it's, you know, it started to decrease mm -hmm. until a way of point that, you know, you have to, I have to tase you just to, to wake yeah. you up, you know, because mm -hmm. you're there, you're tired, you're exhausted already. It's the end of the day. Hey, I'm in a fucking restaurant. What would happen, you know? <laughs> right, right. And then boom, it's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially if you eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a dilemma, you know? The the yeah. the is going to a restaurant. Should I eat? Should I eat next? Should I sit next to him? And you know, it's it depends. It's so many so many things that yeah. you have to consider. Um, so you know, you definitely can sit and eat, and from the other hand, you definitely cannot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to think if the if it's the right place. What is the risk? Who knows the the, the executive in this point? Right. Uh, was it uh, like uh, planned in advance? People knew that he was supposed to be here or not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's very similar that the restaurant that we've been in uh, Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The yeah. restaurant itself, the, the area is not safe. But when when we got there and we saw that nobody expected us and uh, nobody knew that we are coming, you know. And who and we, we are, to, really. Yeah, and we had only with someone that saw the group, and then he will decide on the second to attack. It's right. kind of another another situation. Right. It's another, yeah. Unless they're Viking ninjas there, we're probably yeah. okay. <laughs> no, I understand this, man. And it's, 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 it's a very case-by-case -case basis, 100%. Um, but what one of the things you were talking about that I thought was really interesting, kind of relative to what we were talking about, is all the different layers you're talking about these are like, you're protecting your clients through decision. You know, these are decisions that you're making that are making everything safer. You're, you're, you're yeah. like taking pieces off the board for the end to be able to use, you know, you can't walk by your client because you spoke to the restaurant and only one waiter is going to serve the table. Boom. That's a piece, you know, uh, we're sitting in a tactical position. So in order to approach us, you've got to go out of the natural beaten path in the restaurant to the bathroom or whatever, boom, that's a whole nother piece, you know? And I think this is really when you're not playing, doing the bouncer thing, you're playing checkers, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is really the chess game of executive protection is, you know, exactly created a situation that gives you a tactical advantage with regards to protection. Exactly. 
That's good stuff, man. So one of my favorite questions, the last question is, <laughs> um, what rituals would you say, uh, do you have any, cause it's executive protection lifestyle, you know? So are there any rituals, daily rituals or things you've done in your life or do on a daily basis that you think make you a better person and a better, thus better at private security? Um, I think first in the, in a matter of security, I have like ritual before I get, get into a mission, you know, it's kind of a logistics thing, but it's not just a logistics. It's put me into the mission. The so I'm checking all my gear, checking all my stuff, I checking everything, you know, in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, I move a little bit to feel like everything is sitting, you know, still in place Yeah, and uh, kind of, you know, put me in a, in a way that, uh, I'm starting the mission right now, you know, mm. this is, this is the first thing. And, uh, I have like a kind of, uh, a way during the day that I feel that I need to you know when I'm like armed, I feel yeah. I need to feel sometimes like, okay, it's there. It's in the right place. Everything is cool. You know, it's give you like a matter yeah. of confidence, you know, it does. It does. It really does. And I have to. I have to say that you. It happened to me like after one time that I have a not a good holster, mm-hmm. and I get out of the car and probably it's, you know it's stuck in the in the seat or whatever, mm-hmm. so it's almost fall. You mm-hmm. know, and I got out and and I was like, man, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And since then, you know, every time I get to the car, it's like. Okay, I'm getting out of the car. Okay, everything is in place. Yeah, cool enough. You know? And uh, so this is from the point of uh, of security. This is kind of a ritual that I have. Mm-hmm. And in, in matter of you know being a good good person, a better person, I think that be professional. You know, just give honor, respect mm-hmm. uh, for what you're doing. Yeah. If you if you decided to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Be the best teacher that you can. If you decided to be a security agent, give respect to this uh, to this job, to this professional, uh, to this pro- and and just learn it. Be smart. Uh, try to upgrade your skills uh, and try, especially in front of the executive, try to be as much as professional that you can. And oh, I think yeah. this this will lead you. Uh, to a better place. This will lead you to definitely be better of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. That's good stuff. Uh, With the whole ritual before a mission, it just gets you in this like mindset. Your whole body knows, okay, we're here. It's game time, you know? Yeah. And even, you know, it's even the the shoes that you uh, choose to use in Mm -hmm. the mission, which belt, which belt do you use? You know, Mm -hmm. belt. There's so you know so many details in this work. Yeah. You choose a belt and it looks good and it's kind of a fashion belt, whatever. Yeah. But when you put the weight on it, it collapses and everything <laughs> loose, you know. And then so you know I have I have belts for like daily routine or you know mm-hmm. meeting or whatever. And I have be- belts that when I put the belts on, it's kind of a, okay. We're going for a mission, you know. This is a belt for operation. It's a pro- operational belt. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of all the gear, all the things are putting you in the in a position that okay, we're going to work. We're going to work, and work means that we're not going to work in the office. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll need to run. Maybe we'll need to jump. Maybe we'll need to fight. 
Everything mm-hmm. has to be in its Ready. place in a very in a very good way that could hold if mm-hmm. something happened. Yeah, 100%. That's good stuff. And then also when you were talking about doing everything as a professional, especially with regards to private security in this job, something that came to mind was, you know what, I've seen a lot of guys and I've even done in the past kind of trade um, their professionalism in for kind of favor, like trade their professionalism with the client in for being the client's friend. And uh, this is like a very, it's a very dangerous thing, I think, you know, because favor, you know, as much as they can favor you today, it can be exhausting for them tomorrow when they don't want to be around a friend. They want to say nothing and drive to the office and check emails. Okay. They don't want to feel obligated to say hi to you and ask you how the kids are, you know, um, and it's kind of a mix, mix, excuse me, but it's kind of, I mean, I have to say that a lot of time that you are working with, with an executive that has power, as you said Mm -hmm. before, Yes. Got influence. And you think to yourself, hey, this is a good, could be a good opportunity for me for business, you know? Mm-hmm. So I want him to know me better. I want to make good impression on him. Maybe yeah. I will have a small talk with him and maybe the next day he will offer me a job <laughs> in whatever. People, yeah. you know, people are sailing with this, with this, you know, kind Lots. of thought. All the but time. eventually, the only reason that you're there is to provide security. Right. But kind of a, you know, it's kind of, a, you have kind of a mix up, you know, it's, it's like, dance, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be a security and I'm going to stay like on the level of security agent or mm-hmm. I'm looking for kind of an upgrade in my life or in my mm-hmm. business. So I have to be like more uh, communicative with this executive. Mm-hmm. So if I had a chance to talk with him, I will talk with him. And if I had the chance to have a small talk with him, I will do it. Mm-hmm. But then you have to be very careful. I'm not saying it's 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 wrong, you know. Right. But you have to be very uh, careful that you're not going too far from mm-hmm. one side, and you're not lo- losing your professionalism as a way the executive say, "Hey, this guy is kind of a sales salesman. What what he's doing here? You know, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> he's providing me like his his business, you know. And yeah. now he's looking forward for you to. Pro- Provide security, so you have to be very, uh, very careful and very, uh, uh, you know, to manage yourself. Not, not to be so um, uh, direct, or maybe not to be so uh, assertive. Yeah, uh, way that you wanna wanna get business opportunities, you know. Yeah, and I think it's uh, what I have learned is they're watching you do what you hired them to do. So when you gain their respect for doing what they hired you for, other doors will open as they respect you as a professional, I think. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's good stuff, man. I think, I think that's, that's it. But yeah, man, those two things from Dottie, y'all be professional (laughs) in everything and Hey, know your gear, wear the right gear and get in that security mindset before you get rolling. Don't get complacent. Don't let it happen to you. And, you know, make sure and, and, and take a look at the reality and the cost of what failing could cause, you know, and, 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 and what a mistake on your watch could really mean for you the rest of your life, everyone's loved ones involved, um, and take what we're doing seriously. Even if nothing happens, you know, we all have a responsibility, um, and it's a, it's a huge responsibility. So right. good stuff, brother, anything else you want to add? 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, no, my man. Um, what are you doing these days and where can we find you, brother? Um, I'm mainly in Israel right now. I'm dealing with, um, especially with consultant. Um, uh, it could be consultant for people, people providing security and they want to upgrade their, you know, their abilities or their skills or consultant to, uh, firms or companies that want to, you know, to have a better security for their, uh, area or environment. Um, this is, you know, from one hand, from the other hand, I'm dealing with uh, a little bit for, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, have uh, those things that we're trying, you know, to uh, uh, produce a product for uh, for weapon to identify malfunctions or um, any problem in your, uh, on your firearms. And this is a very uh, a beginning point that we're standing, so I don't want to, you know, give too yeah. much uh, information. Yeah. Uh, but this is the main, you know, main thing that I'm doing right now. Awesome. Let me tell you something, guys. Um, I've worked with Dottie over in Israel and it was, he's one of the best, one of the <laughs> best, best that I've worked with in the industry. Okay. So if you're thinking of going to Israel, um, raving review, man, uh, it's, it's just a top, top review for Dottie and anything that he's doing over there. His, 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 his values is be the best at everything you do. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, brother, thanks so much for spending time with me, you know. It's been an honor. I enjoyed so much. Absolute honor as well. All right. And we'll we'll see each other again, hopefully overseas over there, my friend. Yeah, definitely. All right, brother. Later. <laughs> Out. Hey, and for everyone else, follow us on Instagram. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Well, I look forward to seeing you all on the next podcast. Out. To support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at Executive Protection Lifestyle. 
ByronRogersMotivation.com. If you want to find me, that's ByronRogersMotivation.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.